will lay the foundation and grow into a strong youth group for our kids. And if we are able to hopefully identify some people who are willing to step in and be long-term leaders of that group. And the question, though, that we'll be asking as he's building that ministry, as he's starting that up, uh, the question that we'll be asking to measure his success in that ministry, it, it's, it's not going to be how many kids are showing up every week and attending this, this group. It's not going to be, uh, are, are these kids behaving perfectly while they're in your care? It's not going to be, hey, is the music awesome? Are the kids having tons of fun playing great games? Dylan, did you eat a goldfish this week? No. But the question is, is, is this group, is it developing people who love, live, and lead like Jesus? See, our church's purpose for existing is to provide you, the people who attend here, the people who call this place home, to develop, provide you opportunities to develop so that you can love God authentically. So that you can love people unconditionally. Jesus said the greatest command was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And he said the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, which your neighbor isn't just the person that lives next door to you, uh, but anyone you are in proximity to, to love your neighbor as yourself. We exist to see people live with freedom in Christ. See, Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Many of us, we become believers. We, when, we, when we become believers, when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, he takes the shackles off. He opens the prison doors. But many of us, we stay inside that cell. We pick our chains of bondage back up and we try to walk with them. We continue to carry them. A lot of believers, they never walk out of that prison. Even though Jesus has provided freedom for them already. Many of us never realize what it is to live the abundant life, free from the bondage of sin and shame. Once you're free, once you've become a believer, once once you've become a believer and you're willing to walk in freedom, my hope is that then you will be equipped, that you'll get equipped so that you can lead others in the same life following Jesus as his disciple. We have, as a church, four core values that are in alignment with our purpose. We value worship and relationship. We value growth and participation. Our values are worship, relationship, growth, and participation. And this is the way that we've connected our pur purpose as a church to our values because we want to help you develop so you can engage in a life of meaningful worship. So you can have a relationship that is meaningful with your creator. 
In John chapter four, Jesus took his disciples, he takes his disciples on a little mission trip, probably to the last place that they wanted to go in their area. This would be like me taking some of you, not on the Chalitna, but maybe to Anchorage. See, the Samaritans and the Jews, or the rural Alaskans and the Anchorage, Anchorageites, sorry, girls, should have come, come in a couple weeks. I won't pick on you. Jesus takes them into Samaria, and the Samaritans and the Jews, they despised each other. They had different ways that they thought worship of God was supposed to be done. See, the Samaritans believed that the way that the Jews worshiped was wrong, and the Jews were absolutely certain that the way that the Samaritans worshiped was wrong. So when they get close to Samaria, uh, Jesus, he sends the disciples into town to go get some food. But our Lord, he goes and he sits at a well where he begins to have this conversation with this Samaritan woman. The, the conversation starts to get tense uh, as Jesus begins to be interrogated by this woman on where and how God should be worshipped and who was worthy to worship God. This would be similar to one of us showing up over at Cubby's and getting into an argument with somebody there, telling them that only the people at Church on the Rock in Talkeetna are the real worshipers of God. You can only really worship God if you show up to this church and you wear the right clothes and you put on the right face. But this is what Jesus says to the Samaritan woman about who, what, where, when, and how worship should be conducted. In John chapter four, verse 23, Jesus said, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. See, most of the, most of the time when we think about or we talk about worship, uh, the first thing we think of is singing. That's the context that we go to is the music worship, which is absolutely a great expression of worship. It's the expression of worship that we probably use the most in our church services as we worship together corporately. But when we talk about worship as a church, we are talking about how we worship God with our whole lives. See, when, when Jesus talks about how we worship God, he's talking about how we live our lives, how we, how we use the life that God has given us. As believers, our life is, or it should be, a living sacrifice. My great desire for each one of you, my prayer for this church is to see a group of people, to see each one of you, not doing everything perfect at all times. But my prayer, my hope is to see you seeking seriously, wrestling with how you uniquely, how you individually, and how we together as one body live lives of worship. How we live lives that are a living sacrifice to God. Because then you can love others with a greater impact if you are living your life as a living sacrifice. When we talk about loving others, we're talking about our desire to be connected, 
not just with the people in this room, not just with our church family, but how we have authentic and meaningful relationships, even with those who may never walk through our doors. See, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, on the day that the church was birthed, this is the relationship, this is how the relationship between believers was described Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Their relationships are not described like this. The early church did do this. They did meet together and hear preaching and sing songs together. They We have biblical and historical accounts of this. But what made the church in Acts in the first century, this early church, what made them set apart was their attitude. Their attitude towards their relationships with one another. See, after they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, they entered into the family of God. And all these people from different backgrounds, different tribes, different races, nations, and tongues, they became unified. They treated each other just like they were family. Now, not the family that you try to avoid around the holidays, okay? They treated each other like the family that you love, like the family you would do anything for, like the family you would die for or give the clothes off your back. They treated these people better than themselves based only on the fact that these people also identified themselves with Christ. The description of the relationship that is given here is these people, they met the needs of one another. Just like they were in the same family. And I know that that's a hard, that's hard, that's not easy. I know 100% that I'm not getting that perfect in my life all the time. I can honestly say, though, I am in pursuit of that. Can you say that today? It takes grace-driven effort. It doesn't take somebody beating you over the head with it and telling you you better do better. It just takes you deciding that you need to pursue that in the grace and the love of the Lord. It takes grace-driven effort to grow spiritually, to live in the freedom that Christ provides so you can have these authentic relationships. I want to grow in that with you. I'm here. I said yes to being here because I want to grow in that myself, in this community with you. And as we grow together in our understanding of how God has uniquely gifted each one of us naturally and through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
As we deepen our understanding of the gospel, as we deepen our understanding of God's word, as we increase in the depth of knowledge for how we relate to God, how we relate to other people, as we increase in understanding in all of these areas and many more, we will become more fulfilled in our walk with the Lord. We will become more fulfilled in our lives. But when we stop growing spiritually, that is when we become stagnant. That's when we become complacent. When we get complacent in our Christianity, that's when things get dangerous. That's exactly what I told Matt and Derek happened to me. That's why we got hit, we got run up on that log and flipped over because I've done this easy section of the Susitna so many times I could do it in my sleep and I got a little complacent. I went and did a dangerous part of the river and I didn't think, oh, maybe we should get out and I should go look ahead because this is a blind corner coming up and who knows what could be around there. I got complacent and it almost killed us. Complacency will kill you. Complacency will kill your faith. Do not let your faith get killed by your inactivity in growing spiritually. When we get complacent, we stop the work of relationships. We stop the work of sanctification in our lives and we cease to grow in our faith. We have to be participants in the life of faith. Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 14 says, now these are the gifts of Christ. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. In Corinthians, Paul says that all of these gifts and many gifts that he doesn't name here in Ephesians, they are all empowered by the same Holy Spirit who gives each individual their gifts as the Holy Spirit wills. But by us not getting involved, by us not participating in the life of faith and us not participating in ministry with the local church, when we decide that we're just gonna sit on the sidelines and become spectators and we decide, no, I need to wait for the perfect time in my life I need to make sure all my personal ducks are in a row, uh, that everything in my personal life is in ship shape before I can volunteer or help out somewhere else. When you deem that the local church, wherever you're from, I know we have visitors here today, wherever you're from, when you deem the local church unworthy of your participation, which neither of those things, like the local church will never be worthy any local church will never be worthy of your participation and your life will never be in the perfect time for you to start participating in whatever the Lord is calling you to do. When you decide one of those two things is true, you rob God's people of the full expression of a life-giving Christian community. 
You can look around. There's a lot of gaps here. There's a lot of gaps that need to be filled in every ministry I've ever seen or been a part of. That's, it's not unique to this place. Many ministries are being held together by hopes and prayers. And that's how we fill a lot of gaps around here. I'm just like, Lord, I don't, we don't have that today, and I hope that it gets done. Lord, you know what we need. But we are in pursuit of filling those gaps. Now, this list in Ephesians of gifts, it's one of the shorter lists found in the New Testament of gifts. It's one of the shorter lists of gifts that the Holy Spirit gave the believers. And we don't fully fill that list. See, your gift, the way that God's gifted you, it's for the body. It's not for you. And what ultimately holds many of us back from sharing our gift with the body is just selfishness. Because we look and we say, well, I don't get to have my way with my gift in the body whenever I want. I don't get to do what fulfills me. So I'm not going to help. I'm not going to participate. I don't like the way that's done. So when they figure it out, then I'll jump in. You know what? That is not the right attitude to have because you are the church and the church needs you. Otherwise, it's not fully the church. See, I volunteer uh, with, a, with a ministry that does foster kid camps, does summer camps for foster kids. And I love the people that run this ministry, but far more than any other ministry I've ever been involved in, this ministry is held together by prayer only. <laughs> My service, uh, when I go and help this ministry, when I volunteer for this ministry, uh, they're looking for my service. It's not just limited to my gifting and the way that I think that I should be serving. I don't just get to show up at these camps and preach and teach and prophesy. I show up and I do whatever task needs to be done. I'm there to do whatever needs to be done, even if it's not in my gifting. Last year, I pulled double duty and I was a counselor and the teacher. Uh, they, if they need help in the kitchen, when I was at ABI, I, I did not, when I was the dean of students at ABI, the kitchen was not my area of responsibility. And you can ask my wife and kids, uh, unless it's like breakfast or barbecue, I should not be cooking. But anytime that there was a gap, I jumped in and I filled it. If one of the kids absolutely just destroys the bathroom and Renee is like, no, that's disgusting and I don't want to deal with it. I'm like, hey, Jeremiah, can you? No, no. I say, hey, no problem. Got it. Take a break. Although she never does that because she has that kind of servant's heart. We should do whatever's needed. Our heart should be a humble one and serve whatever 
is necessary to be filled. We have to, have a, we have to be humble enough to do the things that just need to get done sometimes before we get to do what we want to do, before we get to have the glorious uh, things that fulfill our giftings. I get a lot of people, a lot of people are like, hey, you should take a break from preaching and teaching. You should let me do this. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Amanda could really use some teachers in the children's ministry. Uh, Why don't you start there and we'll see how it goes. And if, yeah, if you're called and you're qualified and there's people that affirm your gifting, then absolutely I'll, I'll raise, we'll, we'll raise you up and we'll give you the shot. I would love to do that. That is like my heartbeat. When I was at ABI, I was constantly sending new pastors out to go do ministry, giving them opportunities to preach and teach. Often they respond, no, no, I mean like, I wanna do an adult Bible study or can I preach on Sunday? I'm like, well, maybe you know, start over here and prove yourself uh, before we just give you uh, the glory opportunities. And almost every time, that's like the end of the conversation and the perfect person leaves upset. And sometimes that's been the last I've seen of those people. But if you'll participate in the areas that you're uncomfortable with, if you'll participate where we need gaps filled, it will increase our capacity to be able to do other things. And being in those uncomfortable positions, it will cause growth in your life. And you'll probably get to those areas you want to be serving in much quicker than if you just sit in the back and wait to be asked. If you participate at any level, doors will actually open to you. Doors of building deeper and better relationships will be opened up to you. You will be able to enter discipleship relationships if you just show up and participate. See, you're not called to be a spectator in God's kingdom. Mike, you're not called to see if there's any cracks in the ceilings either. Come on, open your eyes. We've all been gifted to minister to the body of Christ. We've all been gifted to minister to the body of Christ in our own unique ways. And it's a common misconception that it's only the people that are in full-time ministry. It's only the pastors. It's only the missionaries. It's only the Bible school teachers. It's only those people who are truly spiritual. And that's not, it's just not true. That's a lie. And it's sad. It's sad that we continue to believe that. See, each one of you has uniquely been designed by God in whatever sphere of influence he has put you in to use your gifting and influence to accomplish what Jesus has called us all to be doing. Just as Jesus, just as he's about to ascend into heaven, just as he's about to go and sit at the right hand of the Father, he gives us his followers From that time until he returns, he gives us all the same mission. He says in Matthew chapter 8, verses, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In my opinion, joining Jesus in this mission is the most fulfilling thing that we can do as Christians. When you are walking with other believers, when you are intentionally sowing into their lives, when you are intentionally influencing them towards Christ, and then they, they start to show some spiritual growth, they start to become more like Jesus, that is a great joy. See, Jesus' apostle, Jesus' disciple, John, who became an apostle, he said that the greatest joy that he had was to know that his children were walking in spirit and truth. And he was talking about his disciples. He wasn't talking about his biological offspring. He was talking about the young men and women that he had trained up and influenced towards Christ. See, Jesus, he has all the power. He has all the authority in heaven and here on earth because he is the one who is all-powerful, because he is the Lord of our life. He is the one whom we should follow. We should listen to him and we should be doing the work to expand his kingdom through disciple-making. See, God has already uniquely placed you in relationships for the explicit reason discipling others, using your influence in their life to bring them closer to Christ. If you are a believer, you have been called and equipped by God to make disciples. In Church on the Rock, we me, as the campus pastor of this church, I want to encourage you in that. I want to be here to help you grow in your confidence for making disciples and your ability to make disciples. But to do that, you can't just be a Christian consumer. You have to be on the track of growth through participating So as you consider partnering with Church on the Rock, we believe it's important for you to feel confident and comfortable with, this is really exciting, our leadership model. Our goal in uh, showing you this is so that you can better understand how our church intentionally contends for an environment that values integrity and accountability and spiritual authority. So obviously, we start with Jesus. He is Lord, and he is the highest authority for all believers. Then we have our shepherding elders, and and they influence our board of directors. The the shepherding elders, they seek God's direction for for the mission of Church on the Rock, and they provide godly counsel in the pursuit of accomplishing that mission They provide shepherding care uh, for the local campuses that they represent, and they give the board of directors an annual assessment of our lead pastor, Jonathan Walker's uh, spiritual health and effectiveness in leadership. Each one of our campuses 
has uh, representation on this Shepherding Elders board. Uh, here at the Talkeetna campus, we have Steve and Jackie Hansen, Chad and Miriam Valentine, and Sophie and I. And then we have our board of directors, and their job is to see that Church on the Rock functions in an ethical manner at a responsible cost. They make sure that there's no misappropriation of funds. They make sure that we are doing the ministry responsibly in the way that we have set out to do, do it. <clears throat> Below them is central leadership. They're responsible for managing the operations of Church on the Rock and in the accomplishment of our vision and our purpose. This team usually has three members. Right now, it only has two, Jonathan Walker and Jonathan Garland. And then we have our central services. They uh, are a team that supports and serves uh, all of our Church on the Rock campuses and our auxiliary ministries by providing with us with a lot of administration and creative resources because I cannot come up with creative slideshows like this. Then we have campus pastors. We provide oversight and leadership at each one of our local campuses uh, within the established vision, purpose, and structure of Church on the Rock. And we are the first line of shepherding and managerial authority for the local staff and congregation. So here at our campus, I am the sole employee of Church on the Rock, but we have a lot of really great volunteers like Diane. Thanks for standing up, Diane. <laughs> and those volunteers report directly to are ministry leads. Some of them report directly to me if, I, if I, it's an area that I am leading the ministry, the, directly involved in leading that ministry. Ah. <clears throat> so if you look at this list of ministry leads closely, you'll notice that there's like a lot of room to grow. There's a lot of gaps that need to be filled. So we're going to go over our statement of faith, which is the very simple form of our doctrinal statement. And I would really encourage you, if you haven't already, scan the QR code and follow along in the workbook uh, for this. Um, and that is also where you will find the expanded doctrinal statement. I'm going to give you what uh, Walker likes to call the layman's uh, uh, version of our doctrinal statement. Uh, but I highly encourage you to read that whole doctrinal statement. Uh, it's broken down under headings of what we as shepherding elders of Church on the Rock believe are the major points of doctrine uh, since the birth of Church on the Rock. The decision was made to focus on the majors. The things that you'll see written down in the doctrinal statement, those are the topics that we hold with a closed hand and everything else we've agreed that we should be open-handed with. We've agreed to not be divisive and not divide over things that are not listed in this doctrinal statement. There are a myriad of things that are not found in this doctrinal statement that we can agree to disagree on. And we can still be, at least on our part, we can still be unified together. We can still partner together with that, while still while disagreeing on a lot of different things. Because we want 
Our goal, our intention is to see God's kingdom expanded, not argue over fine points of doctrine. So here is what we believe, simply put. God is more powerful, more loving, and much closer than we can imagine. The Bible is God's perfect communication to humanity. Jesus is God expressing himself to us. Through his Holy Spirit, God can dwell in and work through us here and now. Nothing in the natural world just happened. God made it all. Experiencing God's grace by faith is the only way to have a relationship with him. Evil exists because of sin. God can bring good even out of evil events. God promises victory over sin and death to those who choose to trust in Jesus. Heaven and hell are real and eternal places. The church is to serve and love people like Jesus served and loved people. Jesus is coming again to rule and reign. Like I said, I encourage you to look at the full doctrinal statement. That's just a piece. That's just a smidgen. Uh, because of the day that we live in, as we highlighted in our Dad Bod series back in June, we also have a moral and ethical statement on human sexuality that you should read. But before you do, we want to give you this preface to it, that the Christian Bible is the foundational source for all moral and ethical issues, and we form our understanding based on its authority. While we believe that these things are made obvious in the scriptures, we also refuse to withhold love and compassion from those who would disagree. See, our leaders and me as a campus pastor, we have no problem uh, standing by or taking you through this, uh, this statement on human sexuality. We believe and we are in agreement that these things, they're important. They need to be addressed. But the why of Addressing them, it's rooted in the love of the Father for each one of you as individuals. See, I've ministered to several people, three young ladies in particular the last couple years that I was in Homer. And over that time, these young women would have vehemently disagreed with this statement on human sexuality. But also during that time, I refused, we as a ministry, we refused to withhold love and compassion from them. And that attitude, it eventually softened their hearts, some of them. And some of them became more aligned with God's word. We will, as believers here in this body, we will stand boldly and we will hold tightly to what God's word says on this subject and many other subjects. But when people show up at our doors, when people walk into this room, we're gonna love them. We're gonna show compassion towards them, no matter what they disagree with us on. 
Hopefully that attitude will lead some of them in the direction that Jesus is calling them for their own good and for his own glory. We believe that this compassionate and loving attitude towards others, that will be the catalyst towards God's continued favor and using Church on the Rock to enlarge the borders of its tent as one church community. See, what, what started with this little home group gathering almost 25 years ago It's grown into today nine different services in four different locations, along with two church plants and two thrift stores and one men's resource center disguised as a coffee shop so that even unbelievers will show up there and hear hear about the love of God. These, These things aid us in serving the mission that we want to see beyond the walls of Church on the Rock. And we want to be impacting the communities that we serve in. See, later today, Renee, she's actually gonna be cracking the whip on some of us guys, getting us finally moving on erecting some of the pieces of this playground that we have out back. Something, yeah, 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 give her a hand. She's been working hard on this. Organizing a bunch of guys in rural Alaska is not always the easy thing to do, especially when we like to go out rafting and may never come back. So something that we hope, we we hope this playground is going to be something that provides a fun and safe place for kids in this area who may never come to church here and their parents a place to gather. And we pray that by building this fun, safe gathering place that People who are far from Christ will show up here. They'll play together and they'll enjoy the space. And we're certain that through that means, they will have their lives impacted by Christ. Who knows? Maybe some of these families that we're attempting to reach by doing this project, maybe God has designed them for their own unique area of ministry. Maybe in that group that's yet to ever show up here, there's pastors and missionaries and evangelists. Maybe there's teachers and prophets among them. Maybe they could be called to go out and impact other communities in this state. See, our vision, our vision as a church is not just to impact the communities of the Matsu Valley that we are in, but the whole state of Alaska. That is our vision, to see gospeled Gospel-centered gatherings in every Alaskan community. See, there are several villages and communities here in this state that they don't have any sort of gospel-centered gathering. This state, I don't know if all of you have been here in the winter, it is a literally dark place, but it's also literally very spiritually dark. There are communities here in Alaska that spiritually speaking, have no light shining. None at all. I think it's important for me to distinguish here. Our vision is not to have church on the rocks in every Alaskan community. Just gospel-centered gatherings. See, we as a body financially support several village missions works here in Alaska. Just this past Tuesday, I was involved in a conversation of how we could increase our ability to equip people to be sent out 
as life-giving ministers of the gospel. Our vision is to join God in seeing the message of the gospel proclaimed in a life-giving way in every community in Alaska. That is our grand goal. It's not about proclaiming and expanding the name of Church on the Rock and building up Church on the Rock. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about shining his light and glory, reflecting his love, being his image bearers to the lost and dying world around us. This is why it matters to us. See, if we're gonna fulfill this vision, we have to agree to walk together. We have to agree to partner up. See, Amos chapter three, verse three, the prophet Amos asks this question. He says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. See, it's pretty hard to work together. It's pretty hard to walk together unless there is some agreement in place, unless there's some things that we can agree around. Outline the who and the what and the where and the why and the nature of the working relationship. See, even if you've been partnering with Church on the Rock for years, for decades, even if, Mike, you helped write this material... I hope that you would annually consider what this means for you. What does it mean to be part of what's happening right here in your local church? What does it like, look like for you to be involved in the ministry of your local church? What does it look like for you to get involved in what we are doing here, for us to partner together in ministry, especially if you begin to get more involved, especially if you get into a high level of leadership as a volunteer or a ministry leader or one day a shepherding elder? Then it becomes more and more important to know that we agree on some things. Otherwise, fear may begin to creep into the relationship like, hmm, will they ostracize me if they know that I have these views? Are they, are they going to kick me out of the body if I live this way, if I make these certain decisions, if I'm struggling with this type of sin? See, we're, we're, in party, we're inviting you to partner with us. We would like you to consider what it looks like for you to partner with us here at your local church. And you don't have to do that here. You could go down the road and do that. There, there are other good churches here in this area. It's okay. If, if there's something that you disagree with, that's fine. We'll love you and we'll send you out. We'll still say hi in the grocery store. We'll still do other things together. But God brought you here today. So consider what it would look like for you to take the next step and partner with us at Church on the Rock in Talkeetna. Maybe you've already signed up. Maybe you've been a partner with Church on the Rock for some time, but you're not engaged yet. Consider what it looks like for you to start getting engaged, for you to start participating. So please, Check out the full doctrinal statement. Rosie, you and the team can come back up. Pray about taking the next step. 
I'd ask that you would, uh, if you are in agreement with these things, that you sign the partnership agreement. Signing simply states that you agree with who we are and what we believe. It, it means that you are going to do the work to protect the unity of the local church. It means that you want to share and serve in the work of the ministry and that you'll support the mission and the testimony of the church. So let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord with one last song. It'll be a quick one, I promise, before we share a meal together today. And came the morning 
that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Oh, Amen, amen. He's our living hope. So encouraging that we're not doing this alone. And uh, we're here together. We're a church family. And um, I know this. Uh, there's a lot in this uh, uh, message that Pastor Cody had. If you guys have any questions, it's going to be a great opportunity because we're going to be eating food after this. And so um, I'm around, my wife around, Pastor Cody. There's several other leadership um, members around. If you have questions, come talk to us. But if you need prayer right now, we got prayer in the back. Uh, Nate and Anthony is right there. We'll pray about anything you guys need. Um, just remember, you guys aren't doing this alone. We're here for you. We're your church family. Um, and if you got questions, come ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, so I'm going to just pray for the food, and then we'll break. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We just thank you, Father, for your love and your guidance and your peace, Father. I just pray that... You just fill each one of these members up with your love and your strength. And I just pray, as we go out this week, I just pray that you protect us and just show us your face. Show us your face in everything that we do, Lord. I just pray that you just draw us closer to you. Lord, I just uh, lift up the food. I just pray that you just bless it to our bodies, Lord. I pray that it brings health and nourishment. I pray that you just bless the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to be breaking up. We're going to be setting up all the chairs you can break them up, set them to the side. Um, but if you see people getting prayer, just kind of let them be prayed in the back. And then we're going to set up the tables and chairs around the tables. And then afterwards, we're going to leave these chairs. So don't unstack the these chairs. We're going to get the carpets cleaned this week. So it's very exciting. All right. You guys have an awesome week. Let's go eat some food.